Welcome into episode 12 of College Sports Today, right here on WLRZ 99.3 FM. I am your host, Hamilton Neal. As always, we thank you so very much for taking the time to join us yet again on the show this week. As always, we have a ton of stuff to talk about. As usual, we'll get going with news from right here at Lenoran University. We'll talk to Lenoran men's and women's basketball teams, what they've been doing of late. We'll also have some news from Lenoran volleyball as well, as they have hired a new head coach. We'll then go over into our college basketball segment. We'll talk some recruiting news as well as our top five games from the last week. But let's start things off tonight with the news from the Lenoran men's basketball team. Back on Wednesday night, they fell on the road at Wingate by a score of 83-75. Noss Tyson tied a career-high 21 points in this contest. Kevin Kangu added 19, and Cooper Fowler poured in a season-high 14 points in 22 minutes of action. The Bears were looking for the season sweep of Wingate after taking the first matchup 75-70 in Hickory. The Bears hit 13 threes on the night, the second most in a game this season. LR is 14-18 and 18 all-time at Wingate, but still holds a 43-31 edge in the head-to-head series. Wingate earned their 10th South Atlanta Conference win of the season as well. With this loss, the Bears fall to 4 and 13 overall, 3 and 11 in conference action. This is their 11th loss in the last 12 games. They will be next taking the floor Saturday, taking on Coker at home. The first meeting was won by LR 67 to 64. Jalen Johnson hit a three pointer with 35 seconds to go, and LR went 4 of 4 from the free throw line down the stretch. Also in that game, Malik Lagania finished with 12 points on a perfect 6 of 6 shooting. TJ Nesmith had 11 points and missed just one shot in that game as well. And that's what the Bears are going to need to replicate. If it becomes close down the stretch, which it was in that last one, as we mentioned, they came up big. Jalen Johnson with the three. Malik, TJ also had very big games. Kicker here for LRs, they won't have Jalen Johnson in this contest. He's out with COVID-19. Malik Lagania has missed time recently, did not play in the Wingate game. It's up to that core of Kevin Kangu, Nas Tyson, Sal Wilson, TJ Nesmith, Cooper Fowler as well to consistently produce points. And that's something that obviously LR has struggled with. Did a little bit better there Wednesday night, posting 75 in the Wingate loss, but still not good enough. They had a nine-game losing streak going. They broke that against UVA-wise. We talked about that on last week's show. Now they've racked up another loss here. They're 4-13 overall, 3-11 in the conference, as we mentioned. 11th loss in the last 12 games. Really tough stretch since about late November here for this LR men's basketball team. Big game coming up against Coker. When you have this type of record, when you're struggling like this, when you have lost 11-12, to it doesn't matter who the opponent is. It's a must-win game. It's an important game. And that holds true for this LR men's basketball team because obviously we're not talking NCAA tournament with this team right now. We're looking at South Atlanta Conference tournament positioning. They're going to be one of the lower seeds just because of the hole that they have dug themselves at this point. I think it was a week or two ago on this show, we talked about team building. We talked about continuing to get the good habits down that have led to success in the four wins for this team. We'll see how this back half of the season goes. We talked about this last week as well. Margin for error, extremely slim at this point for the LR men's basketball team. Same could be said for the LR women's basketball team. They as well fell to wing it, the South Carolina Conference leader, 83-42 on Wednesday night as the Bulldogs, with that win, moved to 13-0 in South Carolina Conference play. Brandy Hudson scored in double figures for the sixth straight time to lead the Bears. Wingate won their 15th straight game 
on Wednesday night. That's the longest streak currently in all of Division II. As we mentioned, they're now 13-0 in the South Atlantic Conference. That's the first time in program history that they have done that. The Bears have not won a game in Cuddy Arena since January 27th, 2016, a span of seven games. And the 41-point loss is the largest since the 84-34 loss at Wingate on November 24th, 2015. Leading the Bulldogs was Brianna Troutman. She had 14 points. Haley Brandon had 11. Hannah Clark and Michaela Dyson added at 10 as well. LR with this loss goes to 4-9 overall, 3-8 in South Atlantic Conference play. They will also take on Coker Saturday at 2 p.m. First meeting won by Lenore Ryan, 68-53 on November the 23rd. Maddie Dillinger had a career-high 24 points in that game. And like we talked about with the men's team, continuing to build the good habits, continuing to find some consistency, just tough to take on a high-powered offensive team like Wingate. Here put up 83 points. They have so many options across the board. Just like we talked about the Lincoln Memorial men's team last week playing LR two out of three games, this Wingate team on the women's side, very similar. They've reeled off a ton of games in a row. They're so potent on that offensive side of the ball. And for LR, they just didn't have the horses to keep up. This team doesn't have as much depth as you would like, and you haven't seen enough other players step up. And I've talked about this every single week on the show. Maddie Dillinger, Brandy Hudson, Emily Harmon, those three have been outstanding. Those three have been the most consistent all year for this team, but you just want to see some other players step up. We've seen Molly James have some good games. We've talked about Tatum McBride as a player that could step up. Hopefully we see more of that coming into this game against Coker. They're sitting in a very similar spot to the men's team right now, 4-9 overall, 3-8 in the South Atlantic Conference. We'll see if they can get back on track. But again, tough losses there for the LR men's and women's basketball teams falling to wing it. And again, Coker coming up on Saturday. Talking at Lenore Ryan Volleyball now, Vice President for Athletics Kim Pate has announced the hiring of Nicole Berenger as the head coach of the Lenorine volleyball team. Berenger becomes the 11th coach in LR volleyball history and comes to Hickory after a successful four-year stint at William Peace University in Raleigh. At William Peace, Berenger compiled an 81-29 and mark over her four years and produced three first-team all-conference selections, seven first-team all-East division selections, and five second-team all-East division student-athletes while producing the 2018 freshman Libero of the Year. Berenger's 2018 squad achieved William Peace's first ever conference title in any sport as they went 24 and 6 overall and 15 and 1 in the USA South Conference. The following year, the Pacers went 24 and 8 overall and 12 and 4 in league play and were perfect 7 and 0 in USA South matches and won the East Division in the 2020 COVID season. Most recently, Berenger produced a 12 and 4 record in conference play in 2021 and earned a top three finish in the league. Her first move as the head coach is to announce that Mark Wimberly will remain on staff, serving as an assistant coach. Wimberly filled in as the interim head coach during the 2021 season and led the Bears to a 24-8 overall mark and the number one seed in the NCAA tournament, where the Bears advanced to the Sweet 16. Great hire here for the Lenoran volleyball team. Our athletic director, Kim Pei, always seems to get it just right. You're bringing in someone who has a track record of winning, 81-29 and in four years at William Peace, not too far away in Raleigh. We talked about all the success that they had nationally. We talked about the success that they had in their league, dominating there as well, producing all-conference selections, all-East region players, just year after year. Success, success, success. And that's what it's about here at LR as well. When you look at all of our sports across the board, we have a top-flight football program. Our men's lacrosse team went to the national championship last year. Our women's soccer team made a huge run in the NCAA tournament. The volleyball team, what they did last year with the interim head coach and Mark Wimberly, who did an outstanding job. That's just what it's about here. There's a standard here at LR, and it's about winning across the board in all of our sports. And volleyball is one of those programs that has consistently done that. And a great move 
by Behringer was to keep Mark Wimberly on staff. When a lot of coaches come in, they want to establish their own regime. They want to establish their own kind of feel for things. But she is keeping Mark on staff. He did an outstanding job, again, as the interim head coach, leading LR to the South Carolina Conference Tournament title, to the NCAA tournament, with their number one seed, went to the Sweet 16, 24-8 overall. Obviously very important to keep him in place because of what he was able to do in the position he was in this past year. But now you have Nicole Berenger coming in, who again is the 11th volleyball coach in LR history, coming from William Peace in Raleigh, again, where they had a great run there for sure. Very exciting news on that front as well. That's all that we have this week. When it comes to news from Lenora, and we're going to have a ton to talk about, especially over the next two weeks. We're going to talk women's tennis, lacrosse is starting up, baseball, softball. Mentioned all of that the last couple of weeks that we're going to have more to talk about. All of those sports are starting up. And we'll jump into all of that. So we're going to have much more each week as we go through on College Sports Today when it comes to what's going on here at Lenore Ryan. Really, right now, about the basketball teams and some news coming out with volleyball as well. The swimming team, they have a couple of dates coming up. Talk about golf as well. Tons of stuff coming up here at Lenore Ryan. And again, over the next couple of weeks, we'll have it all covered for you here. Let's now go into our college basketball segment where we're going to talk some recruiting news. We'll then go into our top five games of the week for NCAA men's and NCAA women's basketball. Ton of great games there. We'll have a lot to break down in that portion. But again, we're going to start things off with some recruiting news and a headline regarding one of the top players in the entire country in 2023 five-star forward Mookie Cook as he has announced his top nine list. He's now considering Kentucky, Gonzaga, Kansas, UCLA, Arizona, Memphis, Oregon, Michigan, and Texas Tech. All nine schools have offered Cook a scholarship. He officially visited Kentucky back on October 29th, 2021. He'll take his second official visit to Oregon coming up on February the 10th. This is a high-level blue blood recruitment right here with Mookie Cook, and I think it's going to go down all the way to the wire. I wouldn't say right now that there is an established favorite. I think he really likes all the schools, and he'll really have to take more visits before knowing kind of maybe who those top three, four schools will be. He's cast a pretty wide net here with this list. Some recruits opt to go with the shorter list, maybe a top five, maybe a top six. Some go with like a top 10, and then they start to cut it down, and then they establish those favorites. I do feel that we will see a second cut here as far as this list is concerned. Probably a top four at some point after the spring, maybe into the summer. That's just how the recruiting calendar works. And if you're not familiar with kind of the ins and outs of basketball recruiting, when high school season is going, offers and interest really kind of slow down. For a player like this who already has an established recruitment, you can cut that list, but then it kind of gets on pause. Visits don't come up maybe until the winter to check out some games. And then into the spring, you maybe see another list cut, maybe some officials. And then eventually, maybe by that next fall, you see a decision. Some can drag out all the way to maybe the spring or the summer before they have to get on a college campus. Some commit very early, different for everybody. I can't say exactly when he's going to decide. We don't know that, obviously. But with the timeline that it's at right now, I do anticipate a possible fall 2022 decision for him. Maybe a late summer 2022 decision. And you're going to have a ton of schools vying for him. Kentucky Wildcats, Kansas Jayhawks, Gonzaga Bulldogs, UCLA Bruins, Memphis, Arizona, tons of big-name programs on here. All of these schools are high-level programs. When you look at his game and his skill set, you see why he's ranked in the top five right now. According to 247 Sports in the class of 2023, 6'7", outstanding length. When you see him play on the inside, which he has a very inside-out type of game, you just see him hanging out there on the inside because of his wingspan, because of his length. He can play like a bigger guy on the inside. He has a good feel and presence, catching the basketball and finishing. 
can finish with the dunk, can finish with the layup. He's continuing to get better as an outside threat. Whether it's on the wing, whether it's in the corner, his ability offensively to knock down shots, I think is getting better. It's coming along. And that's an area of his game And that's something he'll have in his toolbox that's going to make him even more effective. A lot of guys at the wing position start out as those high-level, wiry athletes that can already get their own on the inside, their slashing skills, they're big and strong, like Mookie Cook. But then they have to develop that outside game and become multifaceted, multidimensional on the offensive end. He's continued to do that. He's still a really young player here. He's still developing. He's still coming around. But really, once he gets that jump shot down, really look out for him. Like we've talked about in previous shows with other recruits, it starts inside, then they have to kind of get it coming outside. Maybe with the exception of some elite shooting guards, a lot of the small forwards, even some of the point guards have to get that down. So very interesting recruitment here. We're definitely going to be tracking it coming up with all the big names that are in this recruitment. Expect to see, like I said, more visits throughout the spring, maybe even going into the summer as well. But really, like I said, the visit period that is really the hottest is probably between right now, kind of late January, early February, and maybe mid-June or so. Really after that, it really starts to slow down as you go into July and August. That's when programs are really kind of starting to shift their focus back on the floor again. Off-season is all about recruiting. Off-season is all about the next generation, the next wave. And Mookie Cook is definitely a part of that as one of the elite players in the class of 2023. And his top nine list led by schools such as Kentucky, Gonzaga, Kansas, UCLA, and Arizona. So that's what we have going on right now in recruiting. We'll have plenty of that to talk about here in the show coming up over the next couple of weeks. But we've also got some great things happening on the floor right now in college basketball. And that enters us into our top five games of the week portion of this segment. We're going to go over the top five games in NCAA men's and women's basketball. We're going to start on the men's side of things, go back to Saturday, January the 15th, where 12th ranked Kentucky dominated number 24 Tennessee by a score of 107-79. to Freshman Ty Ty Washington led the Wildcats with 28 points and 5 rebounds. Salvi Wheeler had 21, Kellen Grady added 16, and Davion Mintz had 10 as well. For Tennessee, Santiago Vescovi had 20, freshman Kennedy Chandler had 17, and Josiah Jordan-James added 11. In another SEC battle, the Arkansas Razorbacks took down 13th-ranked LSU, 65-58. Leading Arkansas was J.D. Note. He had 19 points. Adis Tony had a 12. Jalen Williams had a double-double of 11 points and 13 rebounds. For LSU, Eric Gaines had 14. Alex Fudge and Tari Eason added 13 as well. The Oregon Ducks took down 16th-ranked USC, 79-69 also Saturday. Leading Oregon was Will Richardson. He had 28 points. Devion Harmon added 16. And Nafali Dante had a performance of 12 points and 7 rebounds. USC, at the time of that game, was ranked 5th in the country. They drop all the way to 16th with that loss there to Oregon. Monday, January 17th, 4th-ranked Purdue and 17th-ranked Illinois played a wild contest, went into double overtime, eventually won by the Boilermakers, 96-88. to Sasha Stefanovic, 22 points to lead the way. Zach Eady added 20. Jaden Ivey had 19. Travion Williams had 14 as well for Purdue. They went 26 of 32 from the free throw line in that game. Big reason why they got the W. And on Tuesday, January 18th, Florida State, Upset 6th-ranked Duke in overtime, 79-78. to Houston transfer Caleb Mills had 18 points to lead FSU. John Butler added 14 as well. For Duke, Paolo Bancaro had a double-double of 20 points and 12 rebounds. Mark Williams and Wendell Moore added 15 and 13 points, respectively. Great ACC contest. Those two teams always play a great game. I remember a couple of years ago in 2018-19 season, they had a game come all the way down to the wire. 
Duke won it on a Cam Reddish jump shot from behind the arc. Very similar ending here in this game as well. This is a Florida State team you really got to keep your eye on coming up. They're not ranked in the AP Top 25, but they very well could be soon. With the way that they play, they're high octane offensively, and they have an ability to defend. They have a lot of athletes on that team. They always have. Caleb Mills coming in from Houston as a transfer has been huge for them this season. 18 points in this one. He's a true scorer. He's a true performer at that point guard spot. John Butler is a guy who was heavily recruited out of South Carolina. South Carolina Gamecocks, the Clemson Tigers were schools in the mix. He opts to go to Florida State, a school that really utilizes their big men well. He's had a great season thus far. Really excited to see how he continues to develop because he's one of those guys that needed some time to come along and develop through high school. At the college level, he's shown he's made for it. He's ready for it. He's playing outstanding. On the Duke side of things, obviously a, a tough loss because they had just taken a loss to Miami. They bounced back last weekend, beat NC State. Kind of looked like Duke was back there. They rise back to sixth in the AP poll after dropping significantly. And now they drop another contest here. Paula Bancaro, Mark Williams, Wanda Moore all had great performances. Trevor Keels is banged up right now. He's not 100% healthy. We haven't seen consistency from many other players outside of Paulo, maybe Wanda Moore. Mark Williams has brought it a little bit more recently. Joey Baker is a guy that has gotten some minutes. You'd like to see him step up. You'd like to see Jeremy Roach kind of get things going a little bit as well. And I think they need to utilize a couple of different guys more, like Theo John, transfer from Marquette. He was a guy in the offseason that we really thought would be a big part of the Stuke team. He hasn't been as much because of the emergence of Mark Williams, because of the signing of Paulo Bancaro. We haven't seen him get in there as much. Kind of like Patrick Tape last year when he came into 2020 as a transfer from Columbia, we thought that he would be that veteran grad transfer guy that could help Duke in the front court. Same thing with Theo John this year. Hasn't happened though. And maybe Duke needs to utilize him a little bit more. Trevor needs to get back. Because when Trevor Keels gets back, that's when Duke is at their best. AJ Griffin also struggled in this game. When he gets more minutes, Duke is a better team. I talked about this maybe a month ago or so on the show. When AJ Griffin's on the floor for the Duke Blue Devils, they are a better basketball team. There's just a missing element there. Outside of Wendell Moore, they really don't have a great perimeter wing guy. AJ Griffin can be that if he can get on the floor. So that's the only thing I take issue with as far as Duke is concerned right now, the lack of the lack of floor time for A.J. Griffin every single game. Like, there's some games where he's gotten a lot of minutes. There's games where when he's gotten that opportunity, he's shined, he's flourished. He looks like the difference between Duke maybe winning and losing a national championship. I, th I think it's more floor time every single game. That's the only issue I have with Coach K right now and what he's doing is not playing A.J. Griffin like 25 minutes a night every game. He's got 25 minutes a game every couple of games. But every single game, if you can get him out there on the floor, he can do some great things for you. Purdue looked definitely like a national championship contender in that game against Illinois. When it's not going well in sh in certain stretches of the game, you got to adapt. You got to evolve in game. You got to consistently change what you're doing. Illinois made some runs there in regulation, in overtime. It looked like they were maybe going to escape with the win. But the difference was the free throw shooting. Like Illinois wasn't bad from the free throw line percentage wise but they missed some in critical moments. Purdue made all of theirs in the critical stretches, 26-32 from the free throw line. You take 32 free throws in a college basketball game, I guarantee you, you're probably going to have a great chance to win because that way you're getting free points. Everyone should have the ability to knock down those free throws. And that's the one thing that keeps the coaches up at night. You can't hit free throws. Purdue is one of those teams that can do that. 
And when it comes to conference tournament, NCAA tournament, trying to win a national championship, everything matters. Free throw shooting is one of those little things that definitely matters and affects the outcome of a game. And um, a great case of that is a couple of years ago, I was watching a game in 2019. Louisville was taking on Kentucky in their big rivalry game. Kentucky won that game maybe by a couple of points. I'm not sure on the exact score of it. It was like under 10 points. And Louisville lost that game because they didn't hit free throws. Like they missed at least 10, 11, 12 free throws. And you make all those, you win the game. So I can't stress enough how important free throw shooting is. And I can't stress enough how important rebounding is. And that's what I want to talk about with the Kentucky Wildcats. Dominant win against the Tennessee Volunteers, 107-79. I think we all knew coming in Kentucky was probably going to win that game, but not the way that they did. Beating them by that score, almost a 30-point win there for Kentucky, their ability to rebound offensively and defensively and their ability to score is why they can win a national championship. And it's why I'm very confident in them making a Final Four run. So I'm going to do out some stats for you guys here. And y'all know I'm a big stat guy. I love the stats because stats matter. Stats give you that extra perspective on what's going on, as opposed to seeing just shots going in, shots going out, right? Kentucky is fifth in the nation in total rebounding. They're 14th in offensive rebounding. They're sixth in the nation in scoring offense at 84 points per game, with five players averaging double figures. When you put that type of product out there on the floor, you are going to win, and you're going to win a lot. And Kentucky is a team that has done that this year compared to what they were last year. 9-16 last year. They were not a good rebounding team. They were a very bad scoring team last year. What they've done this year is really reshape themselves around Oscar Shibway, who we did not mention in the stats. He didn't have a great game scoring, but he's always there on the glass. He's always there grabbing those rebounds. He is the leading rebounder individually in the entire country. He has been for most of the season. So again, Kentucky fifth in the nation in total rebounding. They're 14th in offensive rebounding. And I really love that stat because when you offensive rebound, guess what that does for you? That's X amount of extra possessions per game. Say you get 15 offensive rebounds in a game. That's 15 extra possessions. That could lead to who knows how many more points, especially in a close game. That really matters. That's why programs like Houston have won so much and North Carolina over the years because of their ability to offensive rebound. Kentucky is that team as well. And that they average 84 points per game, sixth in the nation in scoring offense. Huge, huge uptick from last year. Incredible turnaround on that side of the basketball with five guys averaging double figures. Love Kentucky and where they're at right now. I feel very confident about them moving forward. I don't feel as confident about LSU as I was a few weeks ago when I was singing their praises and I was talking about how great this team has looked. This, this squad right here, LSU, not a great scoring team. Stark contrast to what we talked about with Kentucky. LSU, not a great scoring team. They're going to win. They're going to win it most of the time on the defensive end, and creating turnovers, creating opportunities for themselves offensively. This was a slugfest here against Arkansas, 65-58. Jalen Williams was a factor there. They could not minimize his performance like they did with Oscar Shibway in that win against Kentucky. They could not do that here with Jalen Williams, 11 points, 13 rebounds. His presence was felt. J.D. Note, Adis Tony out on the wing making plays. And may the lack of a true number one guy on this LSU team is also hurting them. They don't have a star, as I mentioned, I think it was two weeks ago, that they don't have a star on their squad. They have cohesion. They have a lot of good players that play well together, but they don't have that guy that can take over a game. And nor does Arkansas, but when when they face teams in the SEC, like Kentucky, like Tennessee, they're going to see that. You know, Kentucky has tons of guys that can take over a game. Tennessee has that guy in in Kennedy Chandler. So it's going to be important for them to continue to improve their scoring so they can give themselves more of a chance because they just don't have that takeover guy. 
you know, and, and, and that could be an issue for them moving forward. But great win for Arkansas. They were previously a top 25 team. They have kind of worked their way back up in those SEC standings and have kind of worked their way back up as far as trying to make a top 25 case. And uh, Oregon Ducks getting some big wins here of late. Beat UCLA in overtime back on January 13th, 84-81. Here they take down USC when they're ranked fifth in the country. So that's two top five wins right there, UCLA and USC. Great stuff going on there with the Oregon Ducks, and that's our top five games of the week in NCAA men's basketball. In NCAA women's basketball, we have three games from Sunday, January 16th. We're going to start with 19th-ranked Notre Dame. They took down number 20, North Carolina, by a score of 70-65. to Leading the Fighting Irish was Dara Mabry. She had 24 points. Sonia Sitron had 12. Maddie Westbelt had 11. Olivia Miles added 10. For North Carolina, Deja Kelly led the scoring effort with 22. Number four, NC State, takes down number 21, Duke, 84-60. to Alyssa Cunane had 23 points to lead the way. Jada Boyd and Raina Perez had 10. Leading the Duke Blue Devils was Cheyenne Day-Wilson. She had 14 points. In this game, NC State out-rebounded Duke 45-38. to in, in, in addition, they forced 17 turnovers as well. Eighth-ranked Michigan took down 12th-ranked Maryland in a great Big Ten contest, 69-49. to Maddie Nolan led the Wolverines with 21 points. Leah Brown had 15, and Lila Felia had 11. For Maryland, Angel Reese and Chloe Bibby led the way with 9 points each. Maryland, minus 15 on the glass here in this game, and only 25% from the three-point line. Tough way to win a game when you're playing that way. On Monday, January 17th, the Oregon Ducks upset 9th-ranked UConn by a score of 72-59 to at home. Leading the Ducks was Tahina Peopeo. She had 22 points. Sonoda Prince on the inside added 14. For UConn, Caroline Ducharme. Freshman star led the way with 22. Olivia Nelson-Nadota added 17. UConn in this contest, 3 of 18 from the three-point line and 19 turnovers. They are now 9-4 and four on the season. And we conclude with Oregon State. Also that day, took down at number 22, Colorado, 69-66 in overtime. Tulevano Hoffman led OSU with 17. Ellie Mack had 16. For Colorado, Quay Miller had 18 points to lead the charge. Frida Foreman and Maya Hollingshed added 13. Big win there for the Oregon State Beavers, a team that's been very much under the radar this season. They got a key win against Notre Dame in non-conference play. Now into Pac-12 play, you see a really good performance here against a very good Colorado team who not too long ago was undefeated. They dropped a game to Stanford. That was their first loss. Now they drop one here to Oregon State. That's their second loss. Tlevano Hoffman, again, leading the way with 17 points. She's one of the best freshmen in the entire country, and she's had more experience than most players that are coming in their first year because last year at the midway point of the year, she joined Oregon State then, played some games for them last year, back half of the season, and is already a star for them. Ellie Mack, really good player as well, big-time transfer. Greta Kamstrader is another player that we didn't mention there in the stats, but is also a highly touted freshman. For Colorado, no shame losing to Stanford, defending national champs, and Oregon State here. These are two really great programs that they faced, but this is a team that I would watch in the NCAA tournament. They're going to be dangerous. Quay Miller and Maya Holling said they formed one of the best backcourt duos in the entire nation. Frida Foreman there had 13 as well. Very well-coached team, very turned around from what they did last year. They upset Stanford last year. That kind of put some people on notice. Now this year, doing some great things. UConn falling there to the Oregon Ducks, who... We talked about a lot in the preseason early in the year. Then they dropped a ton of games. They dropped out of the top 25. They had COVID issues. They had tons of players out with injury. Now they're starting to get healthy. And you see how dangerous Kelly Graves' team can be. Tahina Peopeo, one of the best point guards in the country. She is sound. She's cool, calm, and collected back there leading that team. Sonona Prince, one of the best post players in the nation. And for UConn, continued struggles offensively. The same things continue to happen in all their losses. They're now 9-4 and four on the season. And in all four of the games... 
to South Carolina, to Georgia Tech, to Louisville, and now here to Oregon. Sloppy play across the board, even in the SC game early in the year when they had Paige Backers. Sloppy play, 19 turnovers here in this game, 3 of 18 from three-point. Tons of players not showing up for them. Kristen Williams was out with COVID protocol, so they were missing her. Even if they had her in this game, I don't think that they still would have won. They struggled too much. They dug themselves too big a hole early to get out. Avina Westbrook did not show up here in her homecoming game. Eight points in 38 minutes. Dorky Yuhas has really, I think for the most part, been more of a disappointment for UConn. They were expecting more from her. They expected her to gel with Olivia nelson Adota and Aaliyah Edwards, who also, by the way, guys, she is healthy. She has not been injured all season. She's not missed any games. She has completely disappeared from this team. Last year, if you watch UConn, they were so good last year, like on the pick and roll and on the screen and rolls with Paige Beckers and Aaliyah Edwards. Leah averaged 10 points a game last year, right around that clip. This year, she's averaging around six points a game, but it really feels like her impact is even less than that. They got a game coming up against Seton Hall. They are back in Big East play. Then they got South Carolina coming up. And I'll tell you, they're probably not winning that game because Paige Beckers is not back. She is off crutches, but she's still slowly recovering. There's maybe about another three weeks there two or three weeks until she really could realistically play. So I don't think they have her for SC or for the Tennessee game. And that's, it's just going to be tough. It's just going to be really tough because this team cannot win consistently against the other top-level teams without Paige Packers. AZ Fudd isn't even back yet. Nico Meal is back. But her impact in the scoring column is not felt by, by any stretch. I love the energy that she brings. I love the grit she plays with and the toughness. She has provided that spark for UConn in that way, but as far as scoring, she's an absolute non-factor, and it's really been that way, even going back to last year, her freshman year, when even when she wasn't scoring much, she was making impact in other areas, like on the defensive end, that's how you earn your minutes at UConn, that's why she stayed on the floor so much last year and was a starter, but was not a scoring threat, and is not one right now. Caroline Ducharme is the only thing keeping this team like remotely close in some of these games. Lavinia Nadota played pretty well. I will give her that. She had a good game, 17 points. But Caroline Ducharme, without her, they would have been beat in this game probably by 30. And I, I'm not kidding you there. Take her 22 points away, you know, they're beat by even bigger than that probably. Um, that's just the point that it's at with UConn right now. And, you know, we'll see how they play. I mean, Caroline's been a bright spot, you know, in the midst of all these injuries and the inconsistencies, she stepped up. I think she's legitimately a freshman of the year candidate, along with Anissa Morrow from DePaul, maybe a couple of others. But yeah, it's, it's just tough times right now for UConn. Still going through this injury stuff. Again, without Paige Beckers, you know, it, it's just going to be hard to guarantee anything with this team. Keys for success moving forward. Caroline Ducharme, if she continues to play well, that will be huge for this team. Maybe Nika Mille will get a little bit more aggressive shooting the basketball. She's very passive on the offensive end. And if she can shoot a little bit more, she can be a factor there. And for Gino, he's got to continue to get this front court going. Rebounding, not good right now. Same issues are cropping up for them as they have in the past few years. That's why UConn still might not win a national title this year. And it's the reason they haven't won one since 2015-16 season is because they're not a good rebounding team. They're not a good enough rebounding team to compete with the South Carolinas, with the Arizonas, who they lost to last year, to Notre Dame those two years. They, they could not stack up on the glass. They weren't good enough in that area. And that's what I talked about with Kentucky in the men's segment, rebounding. You look at Baylor last year, who was the men's champion. They had that. They had interior and outside play, but their interior rebounding was great. Same thing with the Stanford Cardinal. That's why they won the national championship last year in the women's tournament, was because their inside play with Ashton Prechtel and Cameron Brink and Fran Belibi, 
they have all of those players to deploy. UConn has good post play, but the issues aren't being solved right now. Nelson Adota got to be more consistent. Aaliyah Edwards, again, has completely disappeared from this team. Hopefully she can come back and have some good games. But again, UConn really struggling right now. Tough loss there to the Oregon Ducks. And then Notre Dame, NC State, Michigan also getting good wins as well. Keep an eye on Notre Dame. They're a very good basketball team. Back from kind of the bottom there, the ACC, they're they're really playing well right now. Mabry, Sitron, Westbeld, Miles, that's a great quartet for them. NC State, dominant win over uh, the Duke Blue Devils there. Final four team, the Wolfpack have with Alyssa Cunane, who's arguably the best post player in the country right now, right th- right up there with Aaliyah Boston. And then the Michigan Wolverines, very underrated as the eighth-ranked team in the country. So that's what's going on in women's college basketball. we got some great things going on right now on that side as well. We have a ton of more games coming up this week that we'll talk about next week, whenever what's going on in recruiting. A lot of stuff going on here at LR right now with our men's and women's basketball teams, volleyball. Hiring a new head coach in Nicole Berenger. We got tons of spring sports coming up. We will have all of it for you every single week here on this episode of College Sports Today. We thank you so very much for yet again taking the time to listen. We hope you join us again next week. This is Hamilton Neal signing off. I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening.